Hey guys, it's Ed, and I'm coming to you super live from the temporary studios here in Detroit. Um, Okay, so super live means really nothing is planned, nothing is edited, nothing is anything. This is a wild ride even for me. Um, Originally, we had planned a Kevin Spacey deep dive today. Um, That's being pushed off temporarily. Um until we find out what exactly is going to happen with this trial. Um, But that's not why. That is not why we're pushing this off. There are two huge breaking stories today. Um, One of them, or both of them are going to be talked about. One of them is going to be the last. um, And obviously, um, the other big huge story is going to be first. Um, Buckle up. This is going to be a very politically heavy episode today. Uh, and I apologize for that in advance, but, and you all know that Will is, Will is the one who is in charge of that. Um, but given that everything's breaking, I'm in Detroit, he's in New York, we, we just need to get this out. So, um, I'm, I'm telling you, this is super duper live, so I'm not even prepared for this. Alex Acosta, who was the labor secretary under Donald Trump, has resigned amid the Jeffrey Epstein scandal. Um, and this come, and we'll talk a little bit more about Mr. Epstein in another segment. But here is what we know. Sorry, would not be an episode without me coughing. Um, here's what we know. New charges were unsealed in federal court against Mr. Epstein. And that renewed calls for Alex Acosta to be investigated and or um, fired from his position as Secretary of Labor. Um, the calls came from presidential candidates on the Democrat side... Um, congressional Democrats, and there were quite a few Republicans who joined um, the course of of calls for his re- resignation. Trump, of course, resisted at first, um, and even kind of pivoted away from the Epstein scandal a little bit. Um, Trump is quoted as saying, I can tell you that for two and a half years, he's been just an excellent Secretary of Labor. He's done a fantastic job. Now, part of it is our economy is so, is so good. <clears throat> our unemployment numbers are at record lows. So many things are happening, but the fact is, he's been a very good Secretary of Labor. And then he continued to um, defend Acosta, who was the lead uh, prosecutor working on a plea deal with Mr. Epstein back in 2008, where, which saw him only serve a few months in prison on state um, prostitution, prostitution charges and completely let, let off the hook for the federal charges that he had faced. Here is what Trump said. 
I do hear that there were a lot of people involved in that decision, not just him. I can only say this from what I know, and what I do know is that he's been a great, really great Secretary of Labor. The rest we'll have to look at. We'll have to look at it very carefully. But you're talking about a long time ago, and again, it was a decision made. I think not by him, but by a lot of people. So we're going to look at it carefully. And, again, this is all coming amid the new charges. And a look at um, what happened before. To his credit, um, Trump actually did investigate um, the the DOJ said that they couldn't look further into this because um, of the statute of limitations. So we do we don't often give Trump credit, but here I think we really do need to give him some credit. Um, Trump finished um, his statement by saying. I feel very badly, actually, for Secretary Acosta, because I've known him as being someone who works so hard and has done such a good job. I feel very badly about the whole situation, but we're going to be looking at that and looking at it very closely. Acosta's resignation, first of all, adds to Trump's revolving door of of key players in in his administration. Um, This is not a big surprise. a Trump resignation, a Trump administrator resigning just means it's a day that ends in Y, basically. Um, but, and we're going to explore this in the opinion segment. Um, but is Trump just trying to distance himself from Jeffrey Epstein even more in an in another Me Too scandal, which could potentially um, put a dent in his 2020 re-election. You're going to hear my thoughts on that um, a little bit later. For right now, I'm going to take a break, and I'm going to research some more um, stories for y'all. Um, the last segment is going to be the R. Kelly... Um, the R. Kelly um, charges that were just filed in New York. I promise you, I am researching and getting ready for that. For right now, though, I have to take a break, get some more coffee in my system, and I'll be right back. And I'm back. And to show that this is not a partisan show, and that we are going to look at both sides of the aisle fairly... We are looking at Nancy Pelosi and the growing feud she has with what is known as the squad. The squad includes Alexandria, um, Ocaso Cortez from New York, um, Rashid Talib of Michigan, Ayan Omar of Minnesota. And Ian Presley of Massachusetts. So, uh, I've not been able to find the quote that that allegedly started this feud. But here's what we know: Nancy Pelosi has been the godmother of Democrats for a very long time now. 
I don't remember a time when she wasn't in charge of the Democrats. Um, she finally ascended to the highest position um, in Congress, Speaker of the House in 2008. And she was able to push through Obamacare. Of course, a lot of people are saying that her pushing through Obamacare is what led to the rise of the Tea Party and um, in 2010, Republicans taking back the House and, and holding that majority until 2016. Or 2018, rather, I'm sorry. But, and of course there's a huge but here. She, she seemingly won everyone over she was, she was the most hated Democrat. She was more hated than Hillary Clinton, if you can believe that. Um, but as, after she retook the speakership this year, it seemed as though everything was going her way. Um, she got the Democrats, even the more progressives like AOC, in line with her agenda. And then the the crack started, and Pelosi started going after what is known as the squad. And this has really, really um, shown that there's a splinter. Now, a lot of of the the splinter is based around um, impeachment calls. Nancy Pelosi has played it very smart up until this point and said, hey, guys. Let's let the investigations take us where they will. Let's let the investigations tell us where we need to go. Let, you know, and starting an impeachment process here is only going to divide the country more and lead us to um, you know, lead us even further down this road of partisanship. And it's not going to do us any good because he's not going to be removed from office once it hits the Senate. Fair point. And then she made whatever these comments were. Like I said, this is super live. I haven't had a chance to really dig into the story much. Um, But whatever she said, it really pissed off AOC, who went to the Washington Post saying that there had been an explicit singling out of newly elected women of color. And so, of course, they... Who wouldn't go to Nancy Pelosi after a comment like that? And Pelosi said, I've said what I'm going to say in the caucus. But this is... This is the signal that Democrats need to fall back in the line. And there needs to be some compromise on what the agenda is going forward. As we've seen um, in recent... um, in recent times, when the Democrats work together, they're very, very powerful. Um, they worked together in 2018 to take back the House. Um, that was not something that would have been able, people would have been able to guess two years ago that they would be able to do. Um, and they're, 
there's also there's also a little bit of a mixed message in the presidential race. Um, Joe Biden, who's a centrist and who is old school, is the front runner, but he is losing steam to Elizabeth Warren, who is considered one of the new liberal left. Um, even though she's been around forever, her surging is really showing. Hey, people are more interested in in what what the liberals have to say. But the fact that Biden continues to lead and um, someone like Pete Buttigieg, who is considered um, more of a centrist, are surging. You know, there's a very mixed message that Democrats are sending right now. And I think the, I think what really needs to happen is maybe move a little bit more to the left. But um, when it comes to platform and issues that we all that need to be worked on. Um, there needs to be more compromise within the party. Otherwise, we're going to, just like the Republicans. But for right now, I'm going to take a break, and I'm going to come right back. And I'm back. And Will and I are going to be pursuing um, an investigation into a part of the story. Um, but, like his former friend, Donald Trump... Jeffrey Epstein seems to not know what a billionaire actually is. According to the New York Times, he used arcane mathematics in order to do his accounting. And furthermore, they don't believe that he's actually a billionaire. And prosecutors actually seem to have been the ones that tipped everyone off um, to this fact. Um, Prosecutors put in... Um, their, when they unsealed their, their, um, their paperwork for the charges, that he was a man of nearly infinite means. But they stopped short of actually calling him a billionaire. Now, Mr. Epstein is most certainly very wealthy, just as Donald Trump is, um, probably very wealthy. Um, he owns a Caribbean island, which I'm, I'm personally working on, an investigation for one of the sites I work, um, that I write for into that. Um, I'm also looking into, um, so, so he has a, his own Caribbean island. Who the hell needs their own damn island? <laughs> I mean, okay, let's be real, it would be nice, but still. Um, he has two private jets. Why do you need to? You're one person. Are you taking two trips at once? I don't understand this. Like, (coughs) is this just one of those things that you do when you're super wealthy and you want to show off to people? I, again, I don't understand. I really don't. I'm trying to, but... uh, But outside of, outside of those assets, um, it doesn't seem like he has... Um, oh, and and then, of course, he owns the largest mansion in Manhattan, um, and he owns properties in Palm Springs, and, um, I'm trying to see, because they list all, um, he has property in, in Palm Springs and a few other places, um, oh, here it is. Uh, 
Oh, and he owns a New Mexico ranch, which is allegedly worth... Oh, his real estate alone is worth more than $200 million. And his investment capital... Or his investment firm is worth some $88 million. But that does not equal a billion dollars. You can ask Will about this. I'm bad at math. But from my estimation, that's only $288 million. Assuming that there's cash on hand, um, we might be able to get him up to $300, $350 million. So there's something about Deutsche Bank where they like pretend billionaires. <laughs> I'm laughing, but seriously, we all, at this point, we all know Donald Trump is not a billionaire. If, if you don't agree with me, go back and look at the math again yourself. There's nothing to suggest that he, he is actually a billionaire. Um, I think we can all agree that... Um, Jeffrey Epstein, while very, 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 very rich, I'm not a billionaire. So why would he... Why would he say he is, or why would people want to believe? Well, again, according to the New York Times, it's all an illusion. Um, and it seems that this myth started from the point of um, his connections... Um, and his connections are are really twofold. Um, Stephen J. Hoffenberg, who owned the New York Post at one point, and was later convicted of running a Ponzi scheme, which he claims that Jeffrey Epstein was a part of. And Leslie H. Wexner, who is a billionaire, um, who owns a chain of... Um, retail stores, including the Limited, and um, it has a majority share in Victoria's Secret. And so his connections, just as Donald Trump's did before him, or alongside him, made him seem as though he had the money and the means to actually make this happen. You know, to actually be a billionaire. And, you know, these pretend billionaires, it's just really sickening. And I don't know why Deutsche Bank works with him. Like I said, I think Will and I are going to probably pursue this and bring you um, a very special segment when I get back to New York um, to find out why Deutsche Bank likes pretend billionaires. And I'm very curious as to whether or not Epstein fights this or tries to say that he's uh, he is a billionaire. Because, you know, Donald Trump still is under the illusion that he's a billionaire. And we're, we're all just shaking our heads at him. Um, but for now, I'm going to go and I'm going to come right back. And I'm back. And there's a very, very... Um, so I, I'm going to say small, but there's a chance that Will is going to record a segment um, from New York and send it to me. So you might be getting that in 
in the next segment. Um, I, I won't know for sure. Like I said, we're super live right now um, because of all the breaking stories. So, that being said, let us talk about Donald Trump and his re-election chances. So, depending on on the day and who is speaking, Donald Trump is either going to be president for the next six years or five years, or his term is going to end in um, with the twenty twenty election. <coughs> Sorry about that. Would not be an episode without me coughing. Um, anyways. Uh, Trump himself really does seem to be worried about his re-election. He touts numbers that don't actually exist or exist in ways that are not... Um, that are not how the numbers should be interpreted. Such as 50% of... He has a 50% approval rating. Now, they're, they're, this is statistically false across all Americans. Across all Americans, Republican, Independent, and Democrat, he has between 30 and 34% approval. Now, some people will argue that he, he's been the most consistent president. Um, in terms of approval ratings across all Americans. That is statistically true. Um, He's never gone much above um, 35, 36%, or much below um, 28 or 29%. He stayed within this 10% range throughout his tenure. So where is he pulling the 50% from? Um, as I've mentioned in a previous episode, he has pulled it from, I, my brain is saying ass. No, he did not pull it from his ass. He's pulling it from the Republican survey. So when you look at, when you look at, um, the poll, he is only looking at those um, that are that identify as Republican and were polled. So among them, he and he has like fifty or fifty-one percent, maybe fifty-two percent of uh, approval rating here. Now, as I've mentioned before, again in the same segment when we talked about this, I don't understand how you celebrate such low approval rating. Because if I'm running, it, it, you know, I'm, if I'm running um, amongst my fan, my fans of online from Generation Gossip, and say, okay, guys, how am I doing on drunk gossip? And only fifty percent of them say I'm doing a good job or a somewhat good job. I'm in trouble. Now, of course, there are factors in there. And there are factors with with Trump. Um, 
The most likely factor being, he is scandal-prone. Maybe the scandals don't stick to him like they do other other people. Um, and, you know, that, it, it's not necessarily fair, so I'm not going to use that word, but, but it happens. Um, you know, and a lot of people were surprised that none of the treason scandals, um, when he sided with Putin, when, you know, he favored the Middle Eastern dictators over his own intelligent commu- intelligence communities, stuck with the Stormy Daniels stuck. The reason for that is Americans love a good sex scandal. Period. That... There's just no denying that. That's why the Monica Lewinsky scandal still lingers over the Clinton presidency. Um, That's why Hamilton um, never became president. And why... um, I think that's why the the musical is such a hit. Because it really focuses on that scandal. And why um, Hamilton, you know, and kind of explores in depth... The, the fallout from, from that scandal. So, connecting this to the Jeffrey Epstein, which is what I was supposed to be doing all along, which, and to be fair, I've, I've stuck to topic, so yay me. Um, connecting it to the Jeffrey Epstein, um, you know, as we heard earlier this week, Um, um, Epstein and Trump were best buddies. Um, they were at Mar-a-Lago together, and they were supposed to be doing a Calendar Girl event. But it was just the two of them. And so now people are starting to wonder, was Trump... raping girls... There is no evidence of this. None. I'm putting that out there right now, and it kills me to defend Donald Trump, but at this point, there is no evidence that he acted inappropriately with, 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 with a child. Yes, there is a, an alleged lawsuit saying that he raped a 13-year-old girl. I've not seen the evidence for that yet. Um, so at, at this moment in time... I don't believe that he acted inappropriately with with children. Did he has he acted inappropriately with grown women? Yes, we've watched it. We we've all seen the Access Hollywood tape. Which should have sunk his campaign, but he didn't because he played it off as he's just one of the guys. Um the Stormy Daniels scandal stuck with him and really cast a shadow over his presidency. Because he he took a different tact and just kept denying. I'm I'm willing to bet if he had just said, "Hey, bros, yeah, I fucked her," we would be the Stormy Daniel scandal would have went away. So. How will the Epstein scandal 
affect Trump's re-election 2020 chances? Frankly, we don't know. I know that's not what anyone wants to hear, but it's the truth right now. None of these scandals have stuck to him the way we thought they would. And he has to be he has to be frightened right now. He's pivoting away from Epstein as fast as he can. We we saw that with the I'm not a fan. Whenever he doesn't want to be involved with someone or doesn't want his name connected to somebody, that's what he says. Um, we've seen it with Jeff Sessions. We've seen it with numerous other officials who have resigned amid scandal. And suddenly he didn't know them, despite uh, everyone knowing differently. I think that I didn't know them or I'm not a fan line comes from him not only wanting to distance himself but um, also I think it comes from him wanting to um, secure his job because right now in the DOJ they have a rule that a sitting president cannot be indicted. If he leaves office, those indictments can fly fast and furious. And once he's out of office, um, the Southern District of New York is said to be working on a whole list of crimes that he's committed while in office and... Um, before he took office. And so that's going to lead us to wonder, too, does he actually want to be president? He's called the White House a shithole or said it's not as nice as what he's used to. Who the who says that about the White House, by the way? Um, He also has mentioned that it's a lot of work, and it probably is a lot of work for a 70-something-year-old man. Uh, again, I'm super live, so I'm not looking up his age right now. I just know he's in his 70s. I believe he's like 73 or 74 at this point. Um, so the, the only reason why I believe he's running for re-election is not because he wants... He thinks he's doing a great job, but not because he wants to keep... Um, the title of president because forevermore he will be known as the 45th president of the United States. I think he's just worried about those charges. And with Epstein's scandal growing larger and encompassing a lot of people, he's frantically trying to claw his way out and make sure that he's not included in this. But as we saw with Jim Acosta, or not Jim Acosta, I'm sorry, Alex Acosta, it's not going to work out so well for him, especially if he did something wrong. All right, I've talked for 12 minutes. I need to take a break, get some coffee, and I will be right back. And I'm back. And today's episode is 
going to be a longer one, um, again, because we're super live, and um, the, there's a fluidity to um, everything that we're talking about here. Um, so, and Will is working on doing some research. He's going to get us a segment um, at some point. So, yay. <laughs> but, we're going to turn our focus from, not totally from Donald Trump, because we're never totally free of him, are we? Um, but we're going to turn our focus from Trump to um, Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan has been quoted in in a book as basically saying that Donald Trump knows nothing about government or how government works. And the rest of us are signing and saying, no shit, Sherlock. <laughs> Seriously, like, why is this a thing? Why, why... Um, why did Paul Ryan feel the need to say this when it's quite clear that Donald Trump doesn't know anything about government or how it works? Um, in the book American, American Carnage by Tim Alberta, um, Paul Ryan says that retirement was, quote-unquote, an escape hatch for him. And here's some more of his quote. He said, I told myself I gotta have a relationship with this guy to help him get his mind right. Because I'm telling you, he didn't know anything about the government. I wanted to scold him all the time. Those of us around him really helped to stop him from making bad decisions all the time. We helped him make much better decisions, which were contrary to kind of what his knee-jerk reaction was. Now I think he's making some of these knee-jerk reactions. And, as you might have guessed, Trump did not take kindly to being insulted. Big surprise, right? Um, in a series of late-night tweets, Trump went after Paul Ryan hardcore. Here's what he said. Paul Ryan, the failed VP candidate and former Speaker of the House whose record of achievement was atrocious, except during my first two years as president, ultimately became a long-running lame duck failure, leaving his party in the lurch both as a fundraiser and a leader. Notice again, um, and we talked about this a little bit um, when we talked about Jeffrey Epstein, Trump is in, in the Jim Acosta, or the Alex Acosta um, segment. Trump is is distancing dis- distancing himself from anything that could be considered a failure, or that he doesn't feel lived up to his expectations. Um, time and again, we've seen it with him. Um, this time, um, it, he has he's always been very hard on Paul Ryan. Um, where he has said things like, oh, you know, Paul Ryan really fucked over the Republican Party when he retired. He shouldn't have done it. He should have stayed. If he had stayed, if he had worked harder to help us maintain, um, if he had, if he had worked harder, we would have maintained Republican control of the House. Uh, Um, you know, this is all Paul Ryan's fault. So this is more of the same here. 
um, and he continued with it with his series of tweets saying he had the majority and blew it away with his poor leadership and bad timing. Never knew how to go after the Dems like they go after us. Couldn't get him out of Congress fast enough. Of course, Paul Ryan and Donald Trump have been frenemies for a very, very long time. Um, going back, arguably, to um, when Donald Trump was just a candidate... Um, and he didn't actually think, Paul Ryan didn't actually think that, um, Trump would get the nomination, and then he did get the nomination, and Ryan would not endorse him right away. It was the first and only time Paul Ryan has ever shown any spine. So, you know, none of this is really a big surprise. So why, why is Trump attacking Paul Ryan, and why is Paul Ryan attacking Trump? Well, the the Trump of it all, as I like to say, is very easy. When Trump is attacked, he attacks back. It's as simple as that, honestly. So, with Paul Ryan saying, hey, like, this dude didn't know what the fuck he was doing, Trump felt compelled to say, oh, bitch. Oh, bitch. Oh, no, you didn't. Um... And he felt compelled to let the people know, oh, no, 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 it's not me that was a failure. It's not me that um, didn't get anything done. It was Paul Ryan. And why is Paul Ryan going after Trump? Some have speculated that Paul Ryan is trying to distance the Republican Party um, from Trump for the 2020 election. The, the alleged hope is even if they lose the White House, they can retain control of the Senate and maybe retake the House. Um, the other hope is, and... This is becoming more and more of a long shot as we get closer to the 2020 election. But there has been some speculation that Paul Ryan is getting ready to run for president. At this point, I don't think that there's enough evidence to suggest that that, that, that that's actually what's happening. But it is definitely speculation and it is definitely out there. Um... We're going to watch this closely, mostly because Paul Ryan and Donald Trump feuding just warms my heart. <laughs> I'm going to go take a break and I'm going to be right back. And I'm back. So R. Kelly has been arrested on federal charges of um, sex trafficking and um, among other charges, including obstruction of justice. Um, the charges stem from an an investigation in New York uh, and, and spanning through to Illinois where he's currently facing four charges uh, of sexual assault. Now, what does this all mean? It, it means that, first of all, the federal charges 
if he's found guilty, theoretically speaking, Trump could pardon him. There's no guarantee that that's going to happen, but given that Trump seems to be quite fond of men who sexually assault people, I wouldn't rule it out. The other thing it means is that this is a very precarious situation and they have much more evidence than uh, than what we even know about. Uh, we found out about this because federal records were unsealed and R. Kelly was arrested this morning. At this time, what we know about this is he will be spending the weekend in jail. Outside of that, we don't really know very much. Um, some stuff is starting to trickle in a little bit. Um, but at this point, R. Kelly just needs to admit that what he did. He sexually assaulted them. Word is that they that the feds have a sex tape of him with an underage girl. Same as the Illinois um, folks. Again, the, it, this is such a breaking story at this point. I don't know if it's the same tape, if it's a different tape. It certainly seems to be a different tape, and federal charges were always expected because, as we found out, he was flying girls from California out to him, um, out to his uh, former house in Georgia. Um... So there was that. There was also talk that he was perhaps even um, there was even some uh, um, sorry, like I said, we're super live here, so my thoughts are not all gathered. According to Insular over on Crazy Days and Nights, especially in Georgia, R. Kelly had friends in very high places. How did that happen? Well, what NT says is that R. Kelly was providing the fed, um, the, the higher-ups, the state officials, and perhaps some even federal officials with with the girls, with the women... And he had a document basically showing who owed him favors and who could make things disappear for him. And who could at at least help with the investigations into what he was doing. Now, at this stage... There is... We can't take anything for granted here. Um, there is always, always, um, there's always been corrupt politicians. There always will be corrupt politicians. Anyone who thinks otherwise, I have a bridge in Brooklyn that I can sell you. Um, and it's coming out that part of the reason why a new investigation was opened into R. Kelly it's because of the Lifetime documentary series, Surviving R. Kelly. 
here's what a source from the Homeland, um, Se- Homeland Security Investigation said. They were looking at the victim's interviews and realized this is so much bigger than what he has previously been charged with. It was just from watching these interviews in the documentary. Um, he's facing racketeering charges, and Homeland Security said it's something that he's never been charged with before. Um, R. Kelly's attorney, Steve Greenberg, of, I just to show both sides of the, of the story, said the charges arose from alleged conduct in the Northern District of Illinois as well as Eastern District of New York. The conduct alleged appears to be largely the same conduct previously alleged against Mr. Kelly in his current state indictment and his former state charges that he was acquitted of. Most, if not all, the conduct of the conduct alleged is decades old. Mr. Kelly was aware of the investigations and the charges were not a surprise. He had already assembled a team of outstanding federal litigators. He and his lawyers look forward to his day in court to the truth coming out and to his vindication from what has been an unprecedented assault by others for their own personal gain. Most importantly, he looks forward to being able to communicate to me, to being able to continue making wonderful music and perform for his legions of fans that believe in him. And I, it, it, to me, it's really a presumptuous that he's going to be innocent, found innocent. But of course... Of course, this is what lawyers do. They have to show confidence in their case. And they have to try to discredit the case before they even go in. That's why they're trying it in the press instead of um, issuing a no comment or something. They're literally trying this in the press in order to get jurors up in arms about what is happening or up in arms about why R. Kelly is being charged again. And it doesn't appear to be working. At this stage, everyone seems to be celebrating the fact that R. Kelly is actually going to face uh, more more charges, and rightfully so. Um, you know, there, there are just way too many people that have come forward with, with stories about R. Kelly and the things that he has done. But as always, you know, there are going to be those who defend him. There are going to be those who don't think that what he did was all that bad. And yes, there will be some people who say, well, the victims deserved it. Those people need to be throat punched. That's going to do it for me for today. Thank you all so much for listening. And until next time, cheers.